Hey everybody, I hope you're having an amazing week. I hope that this week has been cute. I hope that this week has been fun. I hope that this week has been awesome. And if it wasn't, have no fear. We all have those weeks. Especially right now, because if you're listening to this when this episode comes out, and you're listening in a location in the world where it is winter time, there's a good chance that you are dealing with the very common seasonal affected, what is it fucking called? Great. Now you guys know my secret, which is that I'm actually secretly not that smart. Seasonal affective, seasonal Seasonal affective disorder. Okay, I actually got it right. So do you know what? I might not be that stupid. Let's read what seasonal affective disorder is. Seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that's related to changes. Is And now I can't read. So this is just like we're not doing good. I feel super vulnerable and stupid today. Like I feel like I'm not giving you guys a great impression of myself. I can read and I do know what seasonal affective disorder is. So everybody shut up. Seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that's related to changes in seasons. It begins and ends at about the same time every year. Your symptoms usually will start in the fall and continue into the winter months. And these symptoms often resolve during the spring and summer months blah 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 so basically seasonal affective disorder is just getting depressed in the winter and I think even if you don't have this we all experience it in one way or another there's something about the winter time that is really tough mentally and I I think a big part of it is the lack of daylight something about that just sucks the energy out of us it's very normal to just feel a little bit more bummed out during the winter. So if you are listening to this during the winter and you're experiencing this like I am, then this is the episode for you. And even if it's not winter and you're not feeling that depressed right now, maybe you're actually slaying right now, this episode could still be useful. So don't click off just yet because it might actually be useful. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing some of the good habits that I've recently picked up that have made a big difference in my mental state. Although they are very small habits, they've made a big difference in my overall feelings of sadness. They've really helped me feel good. Even though it's the winter time and I do get seasonal affective disorder, these habits have helped even in the midst of that. And they're habits that I want to hold on to. Let's waste no more time and let's discuss these habits. This episode of Anything Goes is presented by Azo Vaginal Health Products. Azo offers an entire line of products designed to help balance your vaginal pH and protect your vaginal health. Save 20% with promo code PODCAST on azoproducts.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. 
This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. When you want someone compatible, start the search on Bumble. It has the features you need to find exactly what you're looking for. Like a six-foot Aquarius who likes rock climbing and also wants kids. Or a runner with a penchant for poetry who loves dogs and wants a serious connection. We know you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Download Bumble today. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can set up your own online store. It doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services. Squarespace has everything you need to start selling online. You can even sell custom merch. Just design it. Production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. And with Squarespace's asset library, you can upload, organize, and access your content all in one place. To get started, head to squarespace.com slash Emma for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Emma to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, number one, this is probably the biggest thing that has been a game changer for me, and that is not working in bed. I know for a lot of us, working in bed has become a habit because for the past two years, we've been home, doing school from home, doing work from home, and a lot of us have started working in bed. I work in bed all the time. I work, I don't ever work anywhere but my bed. But there's a huge issue with this. And I didn't realize how bad of a habit this was until I started to get these waves of guilt every day where I was feeling like I wasn't working. I was like, Emma, you're such a lazy fuck. Like, you never work. Like, you need to get shit done. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, I do work all the time, but I'm just working in bed. I mean, for fuck's sake, I'm recording this podcast in my bed. That's not going to change, though. I like recording my podcast in bed, and that will never change. But going through emails, working on other stuff, that doesn't feel as productive when you're laying in bed doing it. And I don't know why. I don't know what the psychological side of that is, but I started working in my living room or in my kitchen which sounds weird, but like I just bring my bring my computer into my kitchen and sit at my kitchen table and I'll work there or I'll work in my living room on the couch or in a chair. This has been such a game changer for me because number one, suddenly this guilt went away. The guilt that I had feeling like I wasn't working hard enough went away because I was more consciously aware of when I was working because in my subconscious, I would remember, okay, I spent like three hours in the living room today or at the kitchen table today working. And in my mind, for whatever reason, that felt productive. Whereas prior to me changing my work location, I would think back at my day of me working in bed all day And I'd be like, you just laid in bed all day, you lazy fuck. And I wouldn't be like, oh, you laid in bed all day and worked on your computer. I wouldn't think that for some reason. My subconscious wouldn't 
remember that I was in bed being productive. It would remember just me laying in bed. So there's something more psychologically rewarding about not working in bed. The other thing that's great about not working in bed is that you have a little bit more of a balance where you know that your bed is only meant for relaxing and sleeping and any other part of the house or any other location out in the world is meant for working. And that distinction is very powerful in your brain. When you know, okay, my bed is only meant for sleeping and relaxing, that's it. Then when you get into bed, you feel good in bed because you're like, wow, this is such a rewarding feeling. And your bed has a positive connotation in your brain. Whereas when you spend all day working in bed, when you get into bed at the end of the day, you're like, well, bitch, I've been in bed all day. Like this doesn't feel good. I don't feel good getting into bed. You know, I just feel like I've already been in here all day. And that's like not positive. That does not make you feel good. It makes you feel poopy and bad. So the moral of the story is no more working in bed. I'm sorry. If you want to go work on emails for a second, get out of bed and sit on the fucking living room couch to do it. Don't work in bed. And some people don't struggle with this, but I really did. So for the few of you out there who have been working in bed and simultaneously are kind of feeling a little bit shitty, uh, that tip was for you. You'd be surprised how powerful it is to move your work out of your bedroom. Unless you have a desk in your bedroom. That's fine. You just can't work sitting in bed. That's just what you can't do. So there's that. So my next habit sounds kind of extreme and stupid, but just hear me out. My next tip is to remove toxic phone apps from your home screen. Now, I'm not saying delete the app. I'm saying remove it from your home screen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically on your phone, there is an option to delete the app and to remove the app from your home screen. Now, here's why this is great. Because you can remove an app from your home screen without deleting it, which means, because you know, like deleting an app, like let's say Instagram, for example, or YouTube, for example, Deleting an app like that is complicated because if you delete that app, when you decide to re-download it, you have to re-log into your accounts and it's this whole thing. And you're less likely to do that even if you have a toxic relationship with the app. You're just less likely to do it. But if you remove it from your home screen, you're not deleting it. So it's still on your phone. But the thing that's so powerful about it is that with it not being on your home screen, you're less likely to go and click on it in any random moment. Your subconscious mind sees an app on your phone and is like, ooh, I want to click that because it gives me dopamine or whatever. Dopamine is like a chemical in your brain that makes you want to do something, I believe. And I'm not going to fucking Google it because I'm sick of Googling stuff. I just want to be a living encyclopedia. I don't even want to have to look anything up. I like to believe that I know everything. I'm, I'm kidding. Relax. I'm kidding. But I don't. Fine. I will Google it, actually. 
Basically, every time we do something enjoyable, a little bit of dopamine is released into our brain. And every time we click on Instagram, we get a little bit of dopamine. Every time we click on YouTube, we get a little bit of dopamine. Every time we click on TikTok, we get a lot of dopamine, which is not good, which is why I think you should delete it. But that's beside the point. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I would never tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want. You are your own person and I do not judge. But also, if you deleted TikTok, it wouldn't be a bad thing. But anyway, um, yeah, so when you see an app on your home screen that's addicting and enjoyable, it triggers chemicals in your brain that convince you that you need to click on that app. But the thing about removing an app from your home screen is that when you don't see it, your subconscious is less likely to have a desire to want to click on it. So let's say you have a really big issue with TikTok and you spend like 10 hours a day on TikTok. You can't stop. It's a problem. You know it's a problem. It's making you depressed. But you don't know how to stop. The first step is to remove it from your home screen. Actually, with TikTok, I would say just fucking delete it. But I'm trying to be... I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm very passionate about TikTok. Please take everything I say with a grain of salt. But removing TikTok from your home screen is a great first step because you're going to be so much less likely to click on it. And over time, it'll ease its way out of your hourly routine. And every time that you want to go on that app, you have to have a conscious conversation with yourself saying, oh, I need to search this app up in my app library to find it. Like I have to put effort in right now. It's not just right there in front of me, easy to access. I have to go seek it out if I want to click on this. And when you the, the fact that you have to have that conversation with yourself makes you think. And you're more likely to be like, you know what? I actually don't want to go on the app right now. I don't want to get sucked in and waste, you know, two hours of my time. I'm not going to do it. Because you have more time in between you thinking I want to use this app and you actually clicking on the app and opening it, there's more time for your brain to change its mind, which is a very good thing. Now, this all seems very, very extreme and it seems like I'm really paying attention to details in a way that seems psychotic and unnecessary. But a lot of our phone usage and addiction is subconscious and kind of slips under our noses and we don't notice it. But it's also responsible for a lot of our unhappiness as human beings. Um, when, when social media and things like that are used in an unhealthy way and they're used in excess. When they're not used in excess, they're great. But when they're overused, naturally our brains become overstimulated, which makes us unhappy. And we might not even know why, you know? So... Removing toxic apps, or shall I say, removing potentially toxic apps from your home screen is very, very helpful. Next, I know that I'm starting to sound like a mom, and like I don't want that because I am not ready to have children and I'm 20. So just listen, I'm not trying to sound like your mommy here. And I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all either. I just know that this stuff helps. And I'm passionate about it because I'm like, my God, if this is helping me and my fragile brain, it could help someone else. So that's why I'm speaking so passionately. But also, 
take pieces of this advice that works for you and leave the stuff that doesn't. You know what I mean? If something doesn't make sense for you or you think it's stupid, that's fine. I it is totally okay. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to have fun. Okay? Anyway, I don't know why I just did a whole disclaimer. It was so unnecessary. Um Oh, I know why because my next piece of advice is really annoying and it's that you should make a reading goal and I know I know it's like Emma stop stop telling me to read a book I know but it's so good if you can find a book that works for you and that entices you you're golden and don't get discouraged if you know the first few books you try to read don't work for you because there's a reason for that and that's just because the book isn't relevant to your life right now you have to find a book that excites you and that could look a lot of different ways you know what I mean there's so many different types of books out there but try to find a book that interests you and make a reading goal Maybe that reading goal is I'm going to read for 10 minutes a day. Maybe that reading goal is I'm going to try to read one book a month. Maybe that reading goal is I'm going to read one day a week. It doesn't matter. But reading is so good for you because number one, it shows you other perspectives and other ways of looking at the world. And that can be a very powerful thing. Number two, it makes your brain stronger. It really does. And It's like a workout for your brain, and that's a really good thing. Number three, it makes you feel accomplished. When I read a chapter of a book, I'm like, yes, bitch, you are so awesome. Like, I feel it, it, you know, it makes you feel good about yourself. It boosts your confidence because reading is not easy. It's difficult at times, and it takes brain power, you know, and it takes effort, Um, but anything that takes effort and is a little bit challenging is something that will boost your, your confidence. I don't know why that is exactly, but even if it's something small, if it's challenging in any way, it'll make you feel good afterwards about yourself. I just read a really fun book and it, it was so random, but it was so fun. And I, I really, I'm going to recommend it to you if you're getting into reading and you don't know where to start, but you just want to read something. I would recommend the book Poison for Breakfast. By I think it's by Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket used to write these like really fun, spooky children's books, but he wrote this kind of one-off random book called Poison for Breakfast and it's so good. It's so it's written in such a cool way. It's so entertaining, it's so engaging, it's so easy to read. And it's just like a fun book to read. And I read this book over Christmas time, like during the holidays. Because I wasn't really in the mood to read, but I was like, Emma, you need to have a book in your hands. You know what I mean? Like You're happier when you're reading a book. So you need to have a book. And I found this book and it was so easy to read. It wasn't challenging and it was so rewarding. I love that book. I really would recommend it to anybody. 
And then now I'm reading a book called Crime and Punishment, which my dad told me to read. And it's like a classic book and it's fucking really hard to read. And my brain is hurting and I'm missing Poison for Breakfast. But I am enjoying Crime and Punishment. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because I'm not having that much fun reading it. But I don't know. I don't actually I really don't know why I'm reading it. It's it's a really difficult book to read. Um, but it is very actually, do you know what? It is really interesting. It's actually very interesting. The only thing that's hard about reading the book Crime and Punishment is that there are a lot of unfamiliar words, which is annoying because I have to constantly be looking up what words means. But also there's a lot of really complicated names. Like there's a lot of characters in the book and all of them have really, really weird names. Not weird, but like really long names. Um, and that's just kind of hard to follow. But it's a really good book otherwise. So I'm now recommending Crime and Punishment and Poison for Breakfast. Um, but make a reading goal. That's really good for you. Next... I'm about to get even more annoying. So like if you thought I was annoying when I told you that you should make a reading goal, you're going to turn off this podcast and block me right now. When I tell you that meditating for 10 minutes a day has made the biggest difference in my life ever. Listen, I used to meditate and I've gone through phases where I've meditated, but they've never lasted longer than a week. But this time I'm like sticking to it and I've been meditating almost every day for probably two weeks. So I feel like I'm in a spot now where like it's a part of my routine and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's why I'm only meditating for 10 minutes a day. But if I meditate in the morning, I feel so relaxed for the rest of the day. And I don't like meditating more than 10 minutes because I feel like. I just start to get restless. I'm not really ready to go above 10 minutes, but even just 10 minutes makes so much of a difference in my mental state throughout the day. I've noticed that I just think more clearly and my brain doesn't feel as cluttered and I'm starting to get better at meditating to a point where now I feel like I can sit back and kind of disappear into it Whereas in the beginning, it was difficult and I couldn't really fully check out. But now, like only after two weeks, I feel like I'm really able to settle into it and have zero thoughts for 10 minutes. And it's a really hard thing to start. And the reason for that, it's the same thing with reading. Reading and meditating are two things that are very difficult to start because they take a lot of discipline and they're challenging. They're forms of self-care that are not easy. Like for me, putting on a face mask and shaving my legs, those things are relatively easy. The only thing that's difficult about them is that I have to like physically move my body to do them. But besides that, they're very easy. And they're considered self-care. But something like reading a book or meditating, which is also considered self-care, in my opinion, they take mental strength. You know, they don't take physical strength. They take mental strength. And it's hard to get yourself to want to do it. I mean, I got to a point where I was desperate 
right? I was like, I feel so shitty. It's winter. I'm sad. I don't know what to do with my with my time. You know, like after 5 p.m. when it's pitch black outside, I don't know what to do with myself. It's cold, blah, blah, blah. So I started reading to fill the time. And I started meditating so that during the day, my brain wasn't firing off as many just evil thoughts. I don't know, like whatever. It got to a point where the winter was affecting me so badly that I had to implement these things. It felt like the last resort, but it's been so worth it. And I think that the key to getting into reading and getting into meditating is just getting that first week over with, getting that first week of reading, getting that first week of meditating out of the way, that is a game changer. Uh, Because after the first week, you're like, wow, this is actually really great. But for the first week, you're like, this is so annoying and tedious. I don't want to do this. You almost have to force yourself to get into it, especially because we are very overstimulated in general because of the internet, stuff like that. You know, it's very easy for us to be entertained and overstimulated. My cats are looking at my front door and I'm very frightened about what they're looking at i'm gonna go lock all my doors i will be back i'm very scared all of a sudden and i don't i do not like this (laughs) hold on this episode is brought to you by dove i'm messy i'm a messy girl and when you're as messy as i am you need a deodorant that doesn't mess around enter dove vitamin care plus deodorant its lightweight formula is super powered with vitamin B3 to reinforce your skin's natural odor defenses while providing new levels of skincare for your underarms, keeping you feeling fresh, whatever your day throws at you. Dove Vitamin Care Plus Deodorant. Learn more at dove.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can set up your own online store. It doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services, Squarespace has everything you need to start selling online. You can even sell custom merch. Just design it. Production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. And with Squarespace's asset library, you can upload, organize, and access your content all in one place. To get started, head to squarespace.com Emma for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Emma to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, I'm back. Um, I I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what they were looking at. And honestly, if anybody's going to see ghosts, if any organism is going to be able to see ghosts, I believe that it's cats. So the fact that they're both staring at something, they're basically staring into thin air. Like, I don't know how else to prove that cats see ghosts because they, like, what are they looking at? And how are they both looking at the same thing? You know what I'm saying? I guess they're looking at the source of the sound, but the source of the sound was not specific enough. And they were looking at the exact same spot. So anyway, I don't know. I'm scared and uh, whatever. Um, Where was I? Basically, 
getting over the initial hump of meditating and reading is all you got to do. And then after that, it's amazing. You can do this. I believe in you. Okay, this next one is huge as well. And it seems obvious, but it makes a big difference. And that's properly getting ready for the day. Now, during the summertime, this is easy. Like, I wake up, it's 9 a.m. I get on my shorts and my tank top and my fucking Birkenstocks and I go out for the day and I don't even feel the need to do my hair or makeup because I'm tan and my hair is like beachy and I just feel good. And it's just easy to feel cute and go out for the day. During the winter, that is not the case for me. I feel so like a vampire. I feel like a vampire. And I don't feel any motivation to get dressed, to do my makeup, to do my hair. I don't feel any motivation to do any of that. Even on the weekends, I struggle to get ready and feel confident and good. But it makes a huge difference. And even if you're just going to run errands, getting dressed up in an outfit that you're excited about and maybe even putting on a little makeup or picking out a cute bag to wear, like something small like that, picking out a cute pair of sunglasses, whatever it is, getting ready for the day is really powerful because number one, you subconsciously feel more confident while you're out. You know, you feel cute. You're like, hmm. you know, like I'm cute today, like whatever, like it makes you feel good. You feel more confident while you're out and about. But also it it makes you feel more rewarded when you do even simple tasks. Like I'll give you an example. If you go out to the store in your PJs, afterwards you're not going to feel like you really accomplished anything. You're like, I just like pulled myself out of bed and went to the store and then came back and like, I don't know. It's just like, you're like, I didn't even do anything just now. Like whatever. Whereas if you get all dressed up and you go to the grocery store and you come back, you're like, I just ran an errand, babe. I just ran to, I just ran a fucking errand. There's just something about it. You just feel better. And you know, on a good day, you might get all dressed up and go out to run an errand and then suddenly be like, you know what? I'm actually going to go run a few more errands because I look fucking cute right now. So I'm actually now I'm actually going to go run more errands. It, it makes you more motivated to go do stuff. It makes you feel more productive. Getting dressed up for the day can be a fun thing. You just have to shift your mindset about it. You know, instead of looking at it like a chore, you know, instead of looking at getting dressed up for the day as a chore, look at it as a fun experience and something that's going to make your day feel more rewarding overall. Now, I understand that like sometimes this is not in the cards and sometimes none of this shit's in the cards. You know, sometimes you want to just lay in bed all day in your sweatpants and just go on your phone and like not think about anything and guess what that's just as important as all of the stuff I'm mentioning you need to give yourself those days 
all of this stuff that I'm mentioning is for when you have just an ounce of strength to do it. And if you don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel bad about yourself. Don't feel guilty. Just wait until you have the energy to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's okay if you don't have the energy in the moment. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, Emma, I don't have it in me. I can't do this shit. That is totally fine. There, it, it, It's not like, oh, fuck, I need to start reading and meditating right now and I need to stop working in my bed right now. It's like, no, these are just, I'm just planting the seeds. And so, you know, when you get the opportunity to do these things and you have the energy, you think of it and you do them. You know what I mean? Because... On a day-to-day basis, overall, these things help, but only if you have the energy to do them because sometimes you just don't have the fucking energy and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, the next thing is to plan one little fun thing every weekend. This is also huge for me because if I don't plan something for the weekend, even if it's just going to dinner, Even if it's just going to get a massage, it doesn't matter. Getting my nails done, doesn't matter. I have to have something to look forward to at the end of the week. And I think that as humans, we need things to look forward to. So if you can find something every weekend to put on your calendar that will make you excited, you are in a good spot because... There's nothing worse than, you know, your work week or your school week being over and you just feel empty because you're like, I have nothing to be excited about. Like, yeah, it's the weekend, but like, what am I going to do? You know, I have nothing to look forward to. Even if, you know, you're planning on watching your favorite show during the weekend, whatever it is, find something at the beginning of every week that you can look forward to at the end of the week because There's something about having something to work towards that makes you feel good. Next, go through your closet, go through your sock drawer, go through your bathroom cabinets, go through all your shit and get rid of stuff that you don't use anymore. I can't tell you how good this feels. I did this all day today, all day today for six hours. I went through all the stuff I own and just started making bags of stuff that I'm going to donate. And I don't do this enough. Like I, and and whenever I do it, I never do it thoroughly. Like I'll just skim through my closet and I'm like, eh, okay. Like, you know, one thing here, one thing there. Do a deep dive, like get in there and really make a project out of it. It's really actually so rewarding. And clutter leads to anxiety. Clutter in your life will make you anxious. It'll make you uncomfortable. It's not positive. It's not good. If you can go through all the stuff that you own and narrow everything down to just the best stuff that you have, your favorite pieces in your closet, your favorite skincare products, your favorite makeup products, your favorite spices in your spice drawer, whatever it is, Just narrowing it down and removing the clutter is such a great feeling and will just make you feel so much more relaxed in your home. And there's nothing better than going into your closet after you've cleaned it out 
and donated stuff and just being like, wow, everything in here is stuff that I like and that I want to wear. You know, there's nothing better than going into your bathroom cabinet and being like, Every single serum, every single moisturizer, every single product I have in here is something that I like. That is such a good feeling. Next, buy small things that make your routine more enjoyable. For example, today I was going to pick up some makeup products that I ran out of and I saw this hand sanitizer by a brand that makes lotion that smells so good. And I saw this hand sanitizer and I was like, you know, I could use a hand sanitizer in my car because I ran out probably four months ago and I need a new one in my car. And I saw this one in Sephora and I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick this up. And when I tell you that the joy I got from spraying this new yummy smelling hand sanitizer on my hands gave me. It is actually kind of embarrassing, but it really got me thinking about how having small little things that make your routine more enjoyable make a huge difference. I mean, getting a fun little hand sanitizer and it's it's not like these things need, I'm not talking about like expensive stuff. I'm not saying like, Getting like a, getting a little, uh, getting a little Apple watch will make your, will make your, like something little, like a little Apple watch or a little AirPods will make your routine so much better. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about mundane shit. Like finding a cute mask online. You know, maybe you find a cute mask that's in a cute color online. Cause like we have to wear masks every day, you know, or like, getting a cute new cup for your morning coffee or buying like a cute little notebook or buying a cute little candle, like cute little shit like that, that make you, that just like makes you feel good. Let yourself like treat yourself to those things that are inexpensive, but make your daily routine better. You know, there's something really fulfilling about those little moments, like when you go to put on a cute mask before you go into the store, or when you spray a yummy smelling hand sanitizer on your hands after being in public, or waking up in the morning to your favorite cup, you know, like there's something really fulfilling about those little moments. And I think that we forget about those little moments. And we don't nurture those enough. And it sounds fucking, I, I'm going to say this about this whole episode, like nonstop, just being like, it sounds annoying to hear because all of this stuff sounds so stupid when you think about how painful, you know, sadness can be or dull moments in life can be or even depression can be or a seasonal affective disorder can be you know these little things sound so stupid and sound like they won't help with something as strong and uncomfortable and painful as those things that I just mentioned but coming from somebody who's experienced those things I know that these little things make a bigger difference than you think and trust me nobody's more stubborn than I am when I'm like not feeling so hot and 
I'm in a bad spot and I call my dad or something and he's like, you need to start reading again or like you need to start meditating again. I'm like, bitch, shut up. Shut up. Because it's almost insulting, right? It's almost insulting when, you know, you're hurting really bad and you're not and you're depressed and you're in a rut and you feel like shit. And someone's like, read a book. Like, I totally understand how infuriating that can be because you're like, hello. It's so much deeper than that. Like meditating is not going to help. I get it. But it really does. And I know how annoying it is to hear. But I rejected, you know, paying attention to the small details of daily life that could make my life better and help with, you know, my sadness and things like that for so long. And I was so like, I would reject those things because I felt like they weren't helpful enough. But I feel like now more than ever, I'm really trying to have an open mind. With that, we continue. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Who doesn't wish they had a little bit more time? But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how do we even use it? I feel like if I had an extra hour every day, I would spend it. Well, I'd like to say I'd spend it meditating, deep breathing, self-reflecting, but I would probably be using it on my phone. And I know that that's cliche, but it's true. It's good to sit down and think about what's important and make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can work with you to define your values and understand your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com anything today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash anything. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. When you want someone compatible, start the search on Bumble. It has the features you need to find exactly what you're looking for. Like a six-foot Aquarius who likes rock climbing and also wants kids. Or a runner with a penchant for poetry who loves dogs and wants a serious connection. We know you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Download Bumble today. Okay, next. This is something that... I'm just now starting to do like within the past week and that is to actually make the effort to make plans with people and stop waiting for them to ask me because for literally the past two years, two and a half years maybe even, I have not reached out to anybody at all. The only communications I've had with people have been initiated by the other person. I cannot like in in it. That was what I needed for a period of time. That's what I needed for a a period of time because I just needed solitude for a while. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't really need solitude anymore. I actually need community again. I need to reintegrate community into my life. Um, And then I found myself just waiting for people to reach out to me because I was like, okay, I'm ready to hang out with people again and, you know, be social again. Um, I've done the work on myself. I'm ready to go back out into the world and be social, whatever. 
But I just found myself waiting around for people to reach out to me. And it wasn't really happening. And the reason for that was because I literally didn't respond to anyone or hang out with anyone for like two years. That's not everybody, but I'm talking about people that are not maybe my closest, closest friends, but people that are still friends, you know, that I would love to hang out with, um, but that I just maybe put on the back burner a little bit for a few years while I was working on figuring myself out. I found myself waiting for those people to reach out to me. And of course it didn't happen because I put them on the back burner for a while. And then I found myself feeling really lonely because I was like, where is everyone? But then I had another realization where I was like, well, I need to go and seek them out because that's my job. It's not just everybody else's job to ask me to hang out. I need to return the favor. I need to reach out to people. I need to check in on people. I have the mental strength to do it now, so I need to go and do it. Not even that I have the mental strength to do it now, but I have the desire to do it now. I want to hang out with people. And so, you know, I've started inviting people out to lunch and, you know, texting people a little bit more. And it's been feeling really good. And I think that you forget that, you know, a lot of your social interaction is in your own hands If you're feeling lonely or you're feeling like nobody wants to hang out with you, put in a little bit more effort and see what happens. And if the results are not favorable and you don't like the results, then that just means that the people around you and the people that you're reaching out to are just not right for you right now. And that gives you the initiative to start looking elsewhere, start looking outward. But either way... In life, you got to put the effort in and it's sometimes annoying and it's sometimes uncomfortable, but it ends up being really rewarding. If you're ready to go out and be social in whatever way that looks for you, don't feel afraid and don't feel too good to do that because I think I almost felt, in retrospect, I think I almost felt too good, not like too good, that's not the right word. I felt like, if people wanted to reach out to me, they would. If people wanted to hang out with me, they would, right? That's kind of how I felt. Um, but that's not the case. Like there were people that wanted to hang out with me that just felt like I didn't want to hang out with them. I needed to put the effort in in order for that hangout to happen because they were under the impression that I didn't want to hang out with them. And it's all just a, a misunderstanding. How, how was I expecting other people to know that like, after two years of not talking to anyone, that like all of a sudden I wanted to talk to people again. How, is, how was anyone to know that? But that's just specific to my situation. In general, how, you know, are you to expect other people to know when you want to hang out? They, they, like, they might not know that you're interested in hanging out. They might be waiting for you to text them. Like, you just don't know. So the moral of the story is, is that, If you're feeling bored, if you're like, oh, I really want to be more social, I want to go hang out with somebody, but I don't really want to ask, ask. Because the results will be very, very good. The last thing that I've been really working on is attempting to just eradicate any feeling of guilt in life. My mom has told me many times she's like the most pointless feeling you can feel is guilt 
And that's, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that sometimes guilt is necessary because I think sometimes guilt forces you to reflect on things so that you don't make the same mistake again. You know, I think that if you didn't feel guilt, how would you learn? But I think that feeling guilt for longer than necessary is, that's where we start, that's when it becomes pointless, right? If you've learned your lesson about something that you did that you don't, your present self doesn't agree with, if you've learned your lesson, you no longer need to feel guilty. The whole point of guilt is to teach you a lesson. So take that lesson and find peace within it. And that's something I've been working on a lot because I struggle with feeling guilty about things, you know, like things I'm embarrassed about, times that maybe I haven't treated people as well as I wanted to or as I meant to, times when I maybe went against my own moral code in some way. I tend to like hold on to guilt for a long time. But recently I've been really trying to let that go. And every time I start to feel guilty about something, I remind myself consciously of the lesson that I learned from that event that I feel guilty about. And then I focus my consciousness, oh my God, I, you guys, I'm scared. Why am I talking like this? <laughs> Why am I talking like, then I focus my consciousness onto feeling grateful for the mistake that I made and for what it has taught me and for how it has made me a better person. Why am I talking like that? Why do I sound like a fucking yoga instructor, you know, giving a motivational speech after a class. I mean, I don't know what I'm becoming. I'm scared. But uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm a little bit embarrassed about how I possibly have sounded throughout this episode. But I just, at the risk of sounding like a fucking cornball, um, these things have just been so powerful for me over the past few weeks to few months you know slowly but surely integrating these habits into my life have made such a big difference and as mundane as they sound as stupid as they sound some of them anyway it's the small things that make a big difference and so I encourage you guys to take this episode and do with it what will make you the happiest like pick up some of these things try to integrate them into your life um, if they will not suit you, even better. You know what I mean? Like just in life, when people give you advice and when people give you pointers, like, hey, you know, this is something I think you should try out. It's okay if it doesn't work for you. And that's something I want to make clear because I do give a lot of advice on on my podcast. But my perspective on advice is that it should never be taken as Bible. Like it should never be taken as fact. Sometimes something that works for one person won't work for the next. And that's what makes us all different. That's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. So I give advice in hopes that at least one thing that I say, you know, will help someone out there. The shoe will fit someone, right? But, you know, it might not all work for you or it might all work for you. No matter where you fall, 
I'm just very grateful that you listen and I enjoy sharing and I enjoy working through my own pain for our discussion. It's a very special exchange that we have and I wouldn't trade it for the world. On that note, (laughs) I'm done with today's episode. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any like life update. This is actually kind of an interesting life update. So (laughs) this is so stupid. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. Like this actually is the dumbest thing I'm ever going to talk about on this podcast. Um, So yeah, you can feel free to log off right now. Like what I'm about to talk about has absolutely no value. Anyway, I have a very love-hate relationship with eggs. Um, As a vegetarian, eggs are a very important source of protein for me. And so I eat them frequently because they have a lot of protein in them. Blah, 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 blah. Um, But every few months, I'll have an experience with eggs that makes me unable to eat them for a few months. And today I had one of those experiences. And let me tell you, I'm heartbroken because I just started getting into making scrambled eggs with pesto and Parmesan cheese. And it's been like my favorite thing to eat recently. Like, it's just so fucking good. I don't know why it's such a random thing to eat, but it's so good. And it's so easy. But today I had an egg experience that is not going to like physically I'm not going to be able to consume eggs for the next probably two months. Like this one was pretty bad. So I'm making scrambled eggs and I mean, making scrambled eggs is pretty self-explanatory. You just basically like flick the egg all around the pan for like three minutes until the egg is fully cooked. Like it's very self-explanatory. There's not a lot of math that goes into it. There's not a lot of technique. Um, and so as I'm scrambling the eggs, I'm like flicking them around the pan, right? And then two separate pieces of scrambled egg get f- flicked away from each other across the pan. But something stretchy holds them together. And I was like, oh, that's probably just a piece of egg. You know what I mean? Like it's probably just like a piece of egg that just is connecting the two separate pieces of scrambled egg together. But due to the fact that I love to self-sabotage, I decided to pick these two pieces out and examine what was holding the two pieces of scrambled eggs together. So... I tried to like cut the stretchy thing that was holding them together in half with my fingernail. This is disgusting. Why am I even talking about this? Anyway, and it like wouldn't cut in half. Like it wasn't like a piece of egg. It was like a piece of something else from the egg. Something chewy and stretchy and tough. Long story short, uh, I started like stretching that thing around. I don't know what part of the egg it was from, but it was not a part of the egg that you want to be eating. It was like stretchy. Honestly, it might have been like the umbilical cord or something. And usually I try to pick those out, but I was hungry and just wanted to eat my eggs. So I didn't pick it out this time. I don't know what it was, but long story short, that ended up in my eggs today. And like, 
<laughs> that could be a part of my overall general tone today of urgency. I feel like I was very uh, passionate today in the way that I was talking. Do I accredit it to my egg experience earlier and the pent up anger and emotion I have in my body from that experience? I would say they're definitely related. Um, that experience was genuinely so upsetting for me. And it's also heartbreaking knowing that, you know, one of my favorite foods right now is now makes me like want to gag. You know, it's just like, it sucks. But I know that in a few months I will forget all about this and I'll be like, wait, why wasn't I eating? Like, why was I grossed out by eggs? And then I'll just go back to eating eggs like nothing ever happened. So, you know, this is just a blip. This is just a moment and we will get through it and everything will be okay. Um, anyway, that is actually all I got for today. Um, <laughs> I'm done now. I hope that you enjoyed. I'm so grateful that you guys come back and listen. And I appreciate you all very, very much. And I can't wait to speak to you next week. You can stream Anything Goes on any platform that you stream podcasts. You can follow Anything Goes on the Twitter at AG Podcast to participate in episodes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you would like. And that's all I got. Talk to you soon. Bye.